Welcome, Black Equity listeners, to another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. Before we get into our conversation today, I do want to make sure that you have been signed up for our premium Black Equity Community uh, membership. Uh, go ahead and press the link in the bio so you can go ahead and get full access to all the early content before anyone else. You're going to want to access that information and also have access to investment opportunities and other resources for your business or investment endeavors. This is something you do not want to miss. Go ahead and press the link in bio and join the black equity community. So without further ado, let's get into our topic today where we can go a step above financial literacy with Mike Ely. I'm DJ Motri of Black Equity Network and welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. We are back for another great episode of Black Equity. I'm definitely excited about this conversation. Uh, on the line, we have Mike Ely. Mike, welcome to Black Equity. What's happening? Thanks so much, Mostry. Definitely, definitely. So you wrote this book called From Broke to Millions, a true story of how I acquired over a thousand apartment units using uh, starting with zero dollars. Yeah. Right. So it, it caught my attention. I started, uh, you know, following you on social media, joined your Facebook group. We ended up connecting. And so what I, the reason why I wanted you to come on the show is how the heck do you acquire <laughs> apartment buildings starting with zero dollars? Let's, let's, let's just jump right to it. Hey, the, the main reason because I ain't had no money. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. Great answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, man. I, all I did was use the basic, uh, basic strategies that I used when I was buying single-family houses and two-family. Uh, what they talk about OPM, other people's money, uh, mm -hmm. leveraging your assets. And so, there's so many ways that you can acquire properties, not just multi-units, but acquire the properties without any money. It, uh, and so many people don't realize what resources they have. For example, uh, if you have a, a life insurance policy, you have equity in there and you can actually borrow money from your life insurance policy. And I actually did multiple deals for my life insurance policy. Uh, when I first started, I probably had like $40,000 worth of equity in my life insurance. I had a whole life. Now it won't work with term, but if you got a whole life and right. I had 30, 40,000, I pulled that out. And here's the great thing. You're still paying yourself. I borrowed money at 8% and two to 3% of that money still went back to me. Well, the mm. rest went back to the, you know, uh, at the time it was Western Southern. And, uh, you know, I made money like that and kept building equity there. Not only did I, I, I leverage it to buy my own stuff, but I did it there. I bought like two or three houses with that. Uh, credit cards. Uh, now, although you got to be disciplined, but uh, I used credit cards to do a deal before. And, and actually, uh, I had a guy who bought his first fa four family I was working with. I remember that years ago. And he was like, Mike, I don't have the money to, to fix it up. I said, don't worry about it. What, you, what kind of credit card you got? How much you got? Mm -hmm. He said, man, I, got, I can pull 15000 off my credit card. I was like, great, because you only need seven. Now right. go put the windows in 
and do a couple of cosmetics and get some carpet. And then with the monthly income that's coming in, that will pay the, you know, your monthly statement for your more, your credit card. And, um, and then now they don't do this as much, but there's also even in, uh, 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 where the, 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 the seller participates and gives some seller financing. Uh, so I've literally done deals where, uh, what they call, it's not necessarily sumo, uh, but they changed so many different names, but literally the owner turned the property over to us because they were like in default and they couldn't make the payments no more. I literally took over the payments, uh, renovate, borrowed money from an investor to fix it up and then sold the property. You know, it's just thinking outside the box. You know, it, it does take money, but it doesn't have to be yours. I like that. Okay, so where did this journey begin for you uh, getting into real estate overall? How did you first come about uh, walking into the real estate world? Uh, really, man, it, it, it goes, the so there's two phases. It, it started when I was like, 15. I mean, growing up, I, I just knew there was a, a abundance of money. And I was just like, how do you get it? Like, why is it that these people have money and, and mm-hmm. these people don't have money? Right. And, and these people got money and these people only got, <laughs> you know, I was like, what's going on? Right. And I never forget, I went to the library and uh, I, I, I picked up a book off the shelf and it was about junk bonds. And uh, I'll never forget it was like minimum invest was $50,000. And I was like, okay, Ooh. put that right back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening. And then um, I, I came across Robert Allen, No Money Down. I think it was in the 80s. He, he got different versions. And from there, that's when I started learning how to do deals with no money. I had the knowledge, but I never acted on it until I was about 26 years old. Because my goal, I was doing concerts and parties, and I was like, once I get that going, then I'm going to take that cash and start buying houses. And, well, let's say I still did the parties, but it didn't work out. But I ended up uh, working it out. And my first deal I did was a two-family, owner financing. I had bad credit. Uh, I had only had 3000 to my name. I worked two, three jobs to pay off bad debt to get my credit together. And I structured a deal where I bought my house. He wanted 3000 down. And I was like, look, I'll give you your three, but let me pay it over a monthly period in addition to the rent. So uh, instead of putting 3000 down, I put a thousand down. My mortgage payment was seven. So the next month I gave him 1700 because 700 was my mortgage. A thousand was the additional payment. Mm-hmm. And then the next month I paid another 1700, which, I had that all balanced out and then I had $500 left over and I used that to turn the unit. And that was the beginning of me uh, living rent free. They, they call that house hacking because I ended up getting a roommate. I didn't know nothing about it back then. It was just having a roommate that paid right. you rent. Yeah. Right. But, so that's all all began, man. And, and I just, I got surrounded by other people that were doing bigger things and, and let me know it was possible. You know, it's kind of like the four minute mile. You know, nobody thought it was possible until this guy broke it. And then once he did it, everybody started doing it. And so, you know, I watched people break their four-minute miles by doing multi-million dollar deals. And what was so interesting about it was I was like, dude's doing this $50, 100000000 million deal. And I'm thinking 
he's got he can hire the best people and he can uh uh uh, uh you know buy nicer equipment and this and that and uh, come to find out he still had the same problems if i was doing the two family mm. i was like well i might as well do these days and quite frankly it's easier to get money than it is for a, a, a large deal than it is for a single family deal that's an interesting point i do want to get i want to uh jump on that mm-hmm. point one moment but you said something earlier. You said you knew that there was an abundance of money mm-hmm. uh, when you mm-hmm. first were going towards your first deal or, or going towards the real estate space. What was ingrained in you where you knew that? Because I think for a lot of people, they don't know that there is an abundance of money. Mm-hmm. But how did you know at, at the very least, hey, there's an abundance of money going on here. How do I get a piece of it? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I guess I was just, absolutely blessed you know everybody's different right you know Mm -hmm. everybody has a certain gifts and me i always always wanted to make money you know i start off doing the paper out you know and then a lot and i noticed i didn't think paper out was a big thing but i noticed a lot of people that had paper outs back in the day they end up owning their own business a lot of them because you know it involved a lot of things it involved sales involved collections uh invoicing you know per se and, uh, and, you know, communicating with your clients, right? And, uh, uh, but the the abundance of money, like, you know, I didn't grow up with money, right? And and, and I, I went to Aiken and, and I love my high school and I went to Swab, I went to a public school. And, you know, in the city, not only what in the city was our school, like the third lowest ranked in the district, uh, you know, you know, nobody had no money, right? You know, they were a lot of them with low income and uh, subsidy housing and, and food stamps, et cetera. I mean, they thought I was rich. And I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a $100 bill in my mama's dresser one time. Right, <laughs> right. And, uh, uh, and that's what, well, and now that I mentioned that, one of my buddies, I'll never forget, Petey Berry, Grew up in in in, in Winton Terrace, we called Brick City, and I was low income. And he was like, "Mike, you rich," and I was like, "What?" Like, uh, you know, I was thinking in the physical, but it wasn't until I got to college I realized he was talking about I was rich with love. You know, I had a mom, a dad. Uh, I, they provided me a vehicle to drive, even though it was a narcmobile. It was a vehicle <laughs> to drive, and that's why I was like, "I don't understand why you call me rich." And so, I. I learned the difference between rich and love and unconditional love and then uh, unconditional wealth. And, and, and through that, just seeing other people obtain, not just material things, but being able to do things for people. Like I was just amazed that, you know, I, the conversation changed because I'd be around people that was doing corporate jobs and they was like, yeah, I just paid $10,000 for my car as a down payment. I was like, what? How do you, $10,000? Right. That's crazy. Like, who does that? You know, most we putting down is $500 and we got a car payment. Yeah. And then, but I, I you know, I watched a lot of TV and, and you know, and I idolized these guys and I knew I wanted to make that kind of money because I was just like, if there's a billion dollars out there, I just didn't understand why other people couldn't get it. I understand why people are not getting it, but I just, 
at the time, it didn't make sense to me. Like I was like you, and, and, but I think it's just a gift because I would just read and say, okay. And I, I wasn't smart enough to realize that's difficult or it's, diff, you know, it's a challenge and nobody, I just read and say, all right, let's do it. Right. And I didn't care if I made mistakes. Like who cares? Like I already knew it was going to mess up, but I'm going to figure it out. And, and that's a frust. it could be frustrating, but it's all about commitments, man. I mean, those are, those are challenging things is a commitment, which, which, uh, last thing, and I'll be quiet, but like, even with where we at now, with, you know, the, the protests and everything. Right. Uh, one of the big things I was listening to Eric uh, Thomas the other day, it's about commitment. Like I learned that commitment is, is, is once you agree to the solution, the toughest thing is the commitment because I mean, you got to realize they protested, boycotted the bus service for 381 days. Right. Walking from, you know, to work 10, 15 miles, people that didn't even know each other in the neighborhood took people to work, you know, they, they transported each other. And so, it's just like that in building wealth. It's just the commitment and the dedication and the discipline. And that's, that's where the difficulty becomes, you know, coming up with an answer, coming up with an idea, that's easy. Now execute it. Definitely. You, you mentioned um, just a few moments ago that the bigger deals have the same headaches as some of the smaller deals. Yeah. Um, when you found that out, did a light bulb go off? Oh, definitely. <laughs> how, how did it change change the way you approach things once you found that out? Man, I was just like they. Well, first of all, I was like, man, I realized if I do bigger deals, that means I got more income. That means I can hire people. That means I can do less work. I don't have to uh, clean, the, do the maintenance, take out the trash, you know, uh, and and lease the building. If I got, you know, on a three or four family, you, you don't have enough money to do that. I mean, you're only making, you know, on a decent like Midwest property, you're only making 50 to 150 units. So, you know, you're only going to net like four or $500 a building for a four family, you know, uh, whereas you got, uh, 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 you know, 20, 30, 40 units, man. Now you got enough room to hire a property manager to hire a maintenance guy and to hire somebody like that. And then that's when, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm smart, but I, I'm lazy. I don't like, I don't like working, man. Like as much as I do, I get up early and grind it out, but I don't want to work and labor wasn't my thing. So I always thought about how could I make my life easier? And I would just watch, I was, like I said, I was fortunate to be around, uh, all these developers. I was a community council president uh, in Coryville in Cincinnati, where um, uh, some of the largest developments, and, and, and we had the largest employment base in that area, is a combined of seven neighborhoods. And, uh, you know, when I was there in that short period of time, you know, it was over three, four billion dollars worth of development. And I got to meet all those developers, and I met the mayor and council and governor. And, I got to see how everything works. And then what, what that did, you remember I was talking about that four minute mile, you know, just mm -hmm. seeing other people do it made me realize it's possible and it's doable. And you, you, you're going to have the same headaches you're doing now. So might as well go big. Right. How does, cause we, we, we talked briefly about the protesters. 
how does the knowledge in your book and the knowledge that you have, how do you think that relates to the people who are uh, protesting for equality and equity? If they knew some of the things that you knew, do you think that would maybe change your perspective of, you know, asking for something rather than creating it for yourself? Yes. Trying to figure out, I'm just going to talk it out here. I'll give you an example. Because a little bit of ego starts to step in, but a controlled ego, okay? And but but um, but more confidence. You know, there's different ways. There's ego, there's arrogance, and then there's confidence, right? Gotcha. Is the a-hole, right? And 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 once you get to a certain level, all that blends in, but you know how to project it. Um, but that's kind of what happened to me. For, here's a perfect example. Like my church, we had to, uh, they had to build a parking lot and we really didn't have the money. And uh, another uh, a developer was coming around and wanted to build some land and he needed a variance and he needed community support. So, um, and I knew because of my community experience, when they need that, that's when we could utilize that opportunity to either channel some funding to our community to help our, you know, so, so I was like, Hey, you know what? I, I want, I want you to give us some money, you know, pay for my parking lot. And, and it's an ask, but then it got to a point like, man, I don't want to do that, man. Like it, it there's pride, there's different levels. You got to learn. The thing is you got to learn how to balance. But I was like, look, I want to provide for my own community and my right. own church. I was like, look, give me your money. Cause they, they was like, well, how are you going to get it done? And you don't like, look, dude, I know numbers. I, they didn't know. I realized I knew construction, you know, I just right. played this and, I was like, no, it's going to cost $30,000. He was like, well, where are you going? And they, they said it was going to cost $70,000. I was like, look, give me the $30,000. i will handle the rest. Well, where are you going to get the rest of the money? I'll pay for it myself. And that's exactly what happened. I ended up costing, they ended up giving us $30,000, $35,000. And then I then got $10,000. And I provided for myself. So I say all that to say, you know, you'll get to a point where once you're conscious on how you could create your own financial gains and, and so nobody can ever bankrupt you from that. Right. And nobody can, I don't care if they take it away or what you can recreate that. And so now I know how to fish all the time. I know how to produce income all the time. And so therefore I, I, my my perspective has changed because when you when you start doing things like that, your whole thought process, your whole mindset begins to change. You understand the importance of commitment. You understand the importance of discipline. You understand the importance of wisdom and understanding and having the whole picture and vision and taking steps. And so uh, as, as my protesters though, like I, I encourage it. And even though uh, some may be disappointed with looting, right? Uh, it, it was necessary, you know, it, it was necessary because they, they, they still wouldn't hurt us, you know? I don't think, and, and we the freeders of the, the new world, and 
I believe one of the main reasons everybody was protesting across the country because they were like, look, y'all screwing it up for us. Y'all got to get it right over there because right. if y'all don't get it right, what you think they're going to do to us over here? Right. And so um, that it's just so by learning how to create, I talk about mindset, uh, the commitment and discipline and understanding you then begin to look at other people's shoes. You begin to look at their perspective. And once you understand other people's vision, that's when you'll be able to, to work together. And, and maybe they would protest different or have different asks. Um, but, you know, I'm not a political guy. I did play in that arena for my community. And, you know, I just, I think I have a, uh, yeah, a well-rounded background, man. I mean, I was an engineer. I, I grew up with poverty. I grew up middle class, but I had everybody around. I had a, the melting pot, literally the international melting pot. I went to school with black, white, Indian, Jew, Muslim, you know, and then went to church with all of them. I went to the synagogue. I went to the, uh, you know, hung out with the nation of Islam, you know, I, uh, go to Jewish synagogue and, and give on Pentecost, you know? So I just think because of that, that's why my perspective is so different. And, you know, I'm black. <laughs> I, I definitely understand that part. Um, you, you, uh, when I first came across your information, there was a video that you had uh, that kind of showcases what does, being free allow you to do. Uh, if you could just touch on some of the things that you've been able to do now that you've been able to create your own value by investing in apartments, by investing in real estate, what has, what's the other side of that? What, what are some of the things that you're able to do now that you're uh, be able to create that, va that value for yourself? Well, this, this is the same, you know, this value I created for myself is the reason why I wrote that book because I want people to be able to change their surroundings and their community and not just go out and beg for it. Right. Yeah. Not always asking. I get it. You gotta ask, you gotta, you gotta start somewhere. Right. Like I had to ask multiple times if it wasn't for people giving me scholarships or meet somebody training me or teaching me something or just sitting down having a conversation with me. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, I want to be clear. I'm not about, not asking people for things. But because I took this path, you know, I was able to pay for my mom's mortgage. I paid her mortgage off when, when my pops passed away. So she, she didn't have to worry about no, no money, you know, cause she was on, I didn't say she was limited. I mean, my mom was a teacher. She was charged at income, but you take a thousand, $1,500 a month payment away from her, man, she, she had plenty of breathing room. Right. Right. You know, uh, my niece, you know, my sister, God bless her. She does okay for herself. I mean, she's got a job, but you know, she's a single mother. Uh, and her, her, uh, my, my niece father, uh, you know, he, he got attacked by drugs and, uh, he wasn't around. So I'm, I'm uncle daddy and I got literally playing, wearing two hats and, um, I paid for her to go to Tuskegee university, my school, and we bought her her first vehicle. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, you'll see soon, man. Like I was able to give back to one of my, my good friends. It, it was my partner. And you're, you're reading my dedication in my book, man. Like we, we crossed paths. We came back together and um, he 
he likes to collect cars and uh i was able to add to his car collection bottom his 97 dodge viper little gt muscle car you know and 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 just and i gave it not just because all the great things he's done for me in helping us build wealth but like he was there to to uh uh like coach me when we're down because we're human man like i get i get upset you know but you know i'm married and 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 kids so they drive you crazy man (laughs) they talk he's there to talk off a cliff blowing that we made we were able to make good decisions because i remember a lot of times if we didn't make decisions together we would have did some dumb stuff matter of fact we were doing dumb stuff and uh, you know, mean like, let's buy this house. And like, oh, you should buy that because of this. And, you you know, we didn't look at that angle, right? And we agreed, like, look, man, from now on, if you don't like it, doesn't matter. If you don't, if we don't agree on it, we ain't doing it. And naturally, when we made that agreement, when the deal came up, I was like, I want to do it. He was like, I don't want to do it, or vice versa. And we were back and saying, but literally after that second one, now we don't disagree. If we if we don't agree on it, we don't do the deal. <coughs> and because of that, it saved us. Our best deals are the deals you don't do. Mm, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. You talked about paying off your your mom's mortgage. How did that feel to be able to be in that position? Man, man, it's all kind of emotions. It's like, man, you fulfilled. I fulfilled my promise to my dad. Uh, It floats your ego a little bit, right? You're like, I'm a boss, right? (laughs) No, but he's like, man, I provided for my family and I did something and I didn't have to wait till I die. You know, like a lot of people, you leave you in the black community, especially church going, you know, they always like, man, when I get to heaven, you know, like, well, man, at that point you dead, bro. Right. Why are you waiting so long? (laughs) You know, heaven is right here. You can have heaven right here on earth. And I've created heaven on earth, literally. And, you know, even in my home, man, you know, real estate changed my address. It changed, like uh, Dion, you say, changed my address and my shoes. <laughs> and, Deion Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had a rap song. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you remember. Prime time. Yeah, prime time. But those things, man, like I'm at home, man feeling it enjoy like I'm on vacation man and, and please forget I'm respectful for other people because I've been in their shoes I've been broke I lost everything I was evicted out of my own home I used to meet the gas and electric man at my door every day begging him not to cut it off uh, uh I, I I remember I ain't have no food to eat so I'm I'm I, I get it I, they repoed my car well, they almost reported. It ended up getting total. A car hit me. That God bless it. <laughs> Somebody towed my car, and I ended up getting five hundred dollars back, and that fed me for the month. Like I've been there, so I'm now the place, man, where I bought my a million dollar house, man, and it's like I'm on vacation. Like I ain't got to go out of town to rent an Airbnb to feel like, oh, man, I'm living it every day, mm. and, and and that's that's what it feels like, bro. And it is one of the greatest feelings ever. And 
and I encourage and want to show everybody else that they could do it. I mean, teaching is just in my blood, my whole family, you, the teacher or preacher. I was the rebellion, you know, so, you know, I like the little sin a little too much, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to touch on that. I ain't going to touch on that one. Um, you, you mentioned sinning, but you also mentioned heaven on earth. That's right. And That's how you right. can create that for yourself. How exactly... Uh, I know we can't give the full book away, but how exactly does your book and how does working with you, how does that create that pathway to uh, heaven on earth for somebody? What exactly could they expect? Well, first, first of all, I, I'm just, you know, I'm a teacher. So I want to make sure I, I like to deliver in layman's terms and I'll speak it, not necessarily speak it in five different languages, right? You know, I'm not going to say Chinese, Russian, but culturally or, 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 or visually, mm-hmm. whether you're an artist, an engineer, or, or you're a business guy, or you're a contract, I can break it down in layman terms. And like my book, anybody can read that book. It's easy to read. I take complex terms and give you clarity. And, and, and yes, because it's new, like cap rate, and eternal rate of return. That, those cap rate is kind of easy to understand, right? But if you never heard of that before, you'll be like, what, what? And you got to read it a couple of times. But the way I use it, the way I share it, you know, I, I easily explain that. Uh, eternal rate of return, that's another story. That, that's, <laughs> that's a challenge. I may, get, I may need to take a little time to explain it. But I take these things, make it easier. And, and, and the reason I'm saying this, I got some of my students, it was like, I didn't know nothing about real estate. And some people that were doing real estate, but didn't have the confidence to, to do commercial. And my one, Danita Willis, uh, she, she read my book and she's calling me and she's like, Mike, I get it. Like the light bulb clicked on. She's like, you ever had the light bulb click on? I said, yes, Denise. I, I know. She's like, I finally get it. I feel confident enough that I could do a deal. I was like, but Danita, you already had the skills before. Well, mm. I didn't have the right direction. I was like, I, I get it now. I understand the value of the numbers and cash flow. Because the other thing is, when you start getting into this cash flow, it's another language. It's like Spanglish. Uh, it is a perfect example. So I would, um, <laughs> here's a perfect example. I had a deal where I could have bought the note on this 997 unit uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, and it was truly undervalued, but it was coming out of the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. And I, my buddy hooked me up with this hedge fund guy that could buy that thing cash, right? He could lend me the money. And, but I didn't know the language. And he was like, well, I know that building. He was digging into me. I know that building. Why do you think you could do that deal? Like, you think I'm leaving money on the table? And I was like, yes, yes, I I do believe that. (laughs) Well, why do you think it's a deal? And I was like, well, because my guy Jim did the same deal down the street. Like, you know, for me and you, that's, that's typical. But for talking to this hedge fund guy, the conversation should have been, well, because right now the rents are at this, they're subpar, they need to escalate to this number. And then you have this economic uh, demographics around here, meaning the medium income is 50,000, 
but within your one, three, five mile drive time, you have this. And then in a one, three, five mile drive radius, you have this much money. And, and then the cap rates are, are suppressing, meaning that uh, it, it was selling at an eight cap, but now it's gradually going down to six cap. So as it suppresses, the value goes up, right? And then, uh, and then an internal rate of cash flow, you know, and when I start, they, as soon as I, my language started talking like that, investors, banks, and everybody came to me. But, you know, you tell them, well, because my man Jim did it around the corner. <laughs> that works for me and you, but, you know, right. but that street savvy plus backup of, 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 of data is what closes the deals. Okay. And so, and so that's what my book begins to offer. It begins to offer the language. It begins to offer you the, the faith and the belief that it's possible and it, it breaks it down easier. And, and then if someone is inspired and wants to move forward, and then we have a course for them. Um, where they can they could participate as well, and then there's another level if they want. But you know, I'm hey, if they want it, I, I, we have opportunities. But you know, my goal is just do big deals and and change my community as best I can. What language would you say this is? Is this the language of financial literacy? It's a step above. So they okay. have what you call. Well, in real estate terms, you have what they call CCIM. That's commercial certified commercial investment member. Okay. And that's where they go in. They talk about all it's a, it's a course. You could either do it online or you can uh, go to different locations, you know, throughout the country and take them. It's a little expensive, but I mean, the value you get, I mean, it's like a twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 course. I mean, it's cheaper than going to college, right. but I mean, you learn everything, depreciation, communication skills, how to analyze a deal, how to do feasibility studies, uh, how to look at a census. Literally, I can look at a census chart and give you an amazing story just by looking at all these numbers. I can just read your story. Looking at this, you know, back in the day, you'd be like, well, you got these many blacks here and this many and this, this, and I could tell you what that means now, you know? And so it's above financial literacy. Financial literacy is to me, I interpret as you understand checkbooks and check and balances and you need to bring in more profit and more income or higher salary. This is more of like MBA executive status. Gotcha. And and when you you gotta have you gotta be able to talk that that language else you're ne you can't even analyze the deal, and, and and you realize it's really simple. And then I just find the simple things by doing it so long. For example, a lot of people get a deal and they don't know how to analyze it, and 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 so many people they'll right. they'll spend hours looking at a deal. And see if it's real. And I was like, dude, stop. Real simple. This is all you need to stop all that. The first thing you need to do is find out what the NOI is, you know, the net operating income. And for our listeners, that's, that's your, your income, uh, your net income after all your expenses and after all you received your income. And then you take that and you divide that by the market cap rate, the market cap rate, meaning, 
what the cap rate in the area is going for. For example, houses in this area are selling at 100 to 200,000, right? Uh, well, apartment buildings in this area or this style of building, they sell at this cap rate. And so you simply take that NOI and divide it by the cap rate. That will then tell you the value. If the, if the person is selling it for less than what you calculated, for example, let's say they said, I'm selling for 8 million, but you used the cap, you took the NOI and divided by the cap rate and came with value of 10 million. Well, that means to me they're selling it under value, right? By 2 right. million. But on the other hand, if you did your number and it came out to 8 million, right? But they selling it for 6 million, then they selling it for, no, no. Yeah, yeah, your value was 8 million, but they sell it for 6 million. They selling it for too much. They selling it for 2 million more. All right, that's a simple thing. You ain't even gotta go look at the property. You know, right. the numbers don't lie. You don't even have to look at that. That's one thing people are like, well, I need to go look at it. It's all about the numbers. And that's why it's so important to, to get that book and, and take your game up on, 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 on analyzing numbers. Because once you have that, you know, like I'm looking at deals from across the country and I know if it's a deal or not, and I ain't even got to go visit it. I was just going to ask you, I, I was going to ask you, how often are you having to go to these properties that you potentially are going to uh, invest in? You're saying, well, I can do most of it from right in front of me looking at the numbers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so my, my apartments, uh, I don't normally go too far. I, I kind of stay right here in the tri-state. Mm -hmm. I will go outside of that. But, you know, lately I, I was fortunate enough in these last year, we made some connection to some very large apartment, excuse me, apartment developers that were unloading their portfolio. And nice. we, we, we closed the deal. We did what we said we we're going to do. And so now they, we're going to end up acquiring over 3000 units over the next you know year or two. Congratulations. So thank you. So like, all we got to do is close and we there, man. And, but now my hotels though, um, you know, those are travel. Um, and that's expensive, man. Cause hell, uh, a whole deal, deal, man. You could put hundred, five hundred to seven hundred thousand out on the deal that you don't even know you're closing, and mm -hmm. and you could go through the whole process. And like for example, I was buying a deal in uh, Kansas City, and uh, you know had the money out and everything, and I was moving forward and. Two things happened. One, they, they, they didn't want to do their CapEx expense. Capital, CapEx meaning capital expense. I mean, basically, some mechanicals need to be replaced, like some HVAC units on top of the roof. And they didn't want to pay the money on that. And then in addition, COVID happened. Right. And I was like, now occupancy went from 60 to 10%, 15%. I was like, I can't buy that. You know, I can't, you know, so. And they didn't want to reduce their costs, which is understandable. But, um, but. I still got a lawyer. I still got fees. I still got to fly out there, you know, so it becomes an expensive game. You know I mean? When I don't even do a deal, that's like 10, 15,000, man. Mm. 
Yeah, we uh, we actually had an episode, and I, I got to connect you uh, with Epic Collective. They are uh, two women, uh, Davon and Jessica, who analyze hotel deals and and source deals. Oh, uh, I definitely great. would love to potentially connect you to. Uh, that might be able to help you in, in that uh, space. I love, we, we get tons of deals flow, but um, if they know how to analyze that, great. But I'm sorry, yeah. Moultrie, give me one second. It looks like my computer's going to die, so let me grab my plug. So also part of your book, I noticed that the forward is written by Jerome Bettis. My man. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that story. <laughs> how did all that happen? Man, I- that was pretty cool, man. Just luck of the draw, man. Like, yeah, my buddy. So I went to Tuskegee University and my buddy, Jamal Dokes, uh, was one of my good friends. And so Jamal and Jerome were best friends and played football in high school together. And it's funny, you know, let, let Jamal say it. And it's probably true, but but you wouldn't believe it now, but Jamal's like, man, I took him under my wings, man. And then, uh, it's like, cause Jerome, you know, his mom was kind of Jerome's mom beyond him. man. And, uh, Jamal, you know, he was a little more looser. So he would, he would get Jerome out, but Jerome was a beast on the field. He was a grown man on a, on a kid's field back in high school. And, uh, but anyway, he, as he went to Notre Dame, and and I didn't even know it, but then one day Jerome pops up on campus, and I was like, "Who is this?" He's like my friend Jerome. I was like, "Oh, what's up, man?" And ever since then, he got drafted. Wherever he goes, they be like, "Come on, wow. events, parties." So we were at the Hall of Fame when he got inducted, and that's uh, awesome. You know, when he comes around, we we see each other about once a year, maybe twice, depending on what's happening, and. uh no, it's great, man. And he's another reason why I'm today. You know, he, no, he didn't give me any money. Uh, I'm not going to say we had really, in, I can remember one or two, but we really had no real deep conversations. Jerome, mm-hmm. just by him letting me hang around and see what he went through, see the money people he was around see what they bought and how he was smart. Like Jerome, yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, he had the, you know, 20, $30 million football contracts uh, in the advertising. And Jerome, you know, he, he bought one or two nice cars that I remember, but he was always investing. He was always talking to people. He was smart. He stayed out of the way, no conflicts. And just by him doing that, he preached his own sermon to me. Mm. His, his actions uh, personified exactly who he was by, by the way he lived. Yeah. I mean, and he, he, the way on the field, off the field, the same guy. What awesome. you see on TV is what you see in person. Hilarious guy, straightforward. He got a mouthpiece, though. I will tell you that. <laughs> he got I guess after you talk so much, you, you got the gift of gab. But, uh, but he's just down to earth guy. And, you know, I was like, man, will you do this for me? He's like, man, not a problem. I was like, you know, That's I'm awesome. going to pay you. I was like, I'm going to pay you. He said, Mike, stop it, man. I got you. Don't worry about it. Awesome. Uh, and, you know, man, just, I was for, like, literally, 
he put me around hotel guys. So I'll never forget, uh, we went to an event shop, matter of fact, at Noble, Noble something out of Atlanta. Matter of fact, this is the guys he kind of introduced me to. His dad started the hotel business out of, uh, out of, out of Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, and then he ended up, you, you know, had mobile, uh, mobile, uh, what was it, mobile hotels, not mobile hotels, but whatever those smaller ones, Mo- motels. Yeah, motels. Motels. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and then they end up getting, I don't know. Well, let, let me tell you. So they had so many, and so we go downtown. I'm downtown Atlanta, in Buckhead. So <laughs> they already owned the two W's down there the shahs right and and then i was like yo shah what's up man i'm I'm getting me i'm getting my first hotel i'm gonna develop one and i want to get more like yours he's like man just relax and i was like well how many you got he was like well you know you just got these two hotels he was like no you you know that hilton you at now it was a brand new renovated hilton like and in each of one of these hotels got like four hundred keys, what they call them keys slash room. Right. And and you know, and then I was like, Well, I own that one too. I was mm. like, Whoa, what? <laughs> I was like, Well, if three ain't enough. And I was like, Well, how many you own? He's like seventy five. I was like, You mean wow. seventy five rooms? Seventy five <laughs> hotels? Seventy five hotels and like the the big boys. Wow. I was like, Whoa, man. And it was just my point is, man, seeing other people do that, and I was like, yeah. "What do you mean? I can't get just one, <laughs> <laughs> right?" You know, so that yeah, definitely motivates they, you. Yeah, that, and like I met a met a guy, true, and it was a brother, man. It was even blew me out because in the hotel industry, it's most mainly Indian, then white, mm-hmm. then black, and uh, uh, man, what's his name? Oh, he out of D.C. Man, Godly, I can't think of his name. But he owns the the one of the largest marquees. He owns the Atlanta, the 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 DC marquee out in Washington, and uh, he was a he was an executive. He started at McDonald's, then he ended up going to Marriott. But you know, he didn't do real estate. And I met him two years ago. He did his first hotel deal. So that was I met him two years ago. No, a year ago. That was 18, 19. I met him in 19. So he did his first deal in 2009. Mm. 2019, he had over a billion dollars worth of hotel assets. Mm. And this is a person that you ended up working with? I just met him. It was a black guy. Hey, we were at a conference and we were just talking and he just had a little sweatsuit and and guy, another guy walks up to him like, you know who you're talking to? I'm like, I don't know, just cool brother there. And, and and they had these little magazines, right? And he was on the cover. And I was like, oh, <laughs> snap. And, but like at this hotel, they were all the big players were there, man. But I was just like, so you got a billion dollars worth of hotel. Yeah. He hmm. went to Howard. Went to AC, AC, you know, went to a black college and everything, man. Well, let me ask you this. Cause I, I, I kind of had this question uh, in the back of my mind for a while, which one ends up being more profitable? I know it kind of depends on the deal, but which one becomes the more profitable uh, hotel where you have a constant uh, 
exchange of people coming in and out of a hotel or an apartment building where uh, usually somebody's there for a year to three years or whatever it may be. Which one have you seen where the, the cash flow is better for you? Um, well, let's just say my my apartment deals are good, mm-hmm. but the, the hotels, man, they just kick off so much cash flow. And if you hit the right one, mm. it's ridiculous in value, man. And But then it's the extra things you get with it. So here... Uh, so I, let's say I did this one in uh, Columbus, I got, mm-hmm. and I was just starting. And um, for now, I was going to kill everything for seven. I bought that for seven million. I got to put five in it. I was going to be all in for 12. It's going to be worth 16, 18. Mm. But if I didn't have to do the PIP, the PIP is nothing but the renovations. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, I'll be netting like five, six hundred thousand. Yeah, mm. six hundred thousand without even renovations. Net after debt service. Wow. I, I wouldn't have did that with my apartments. Uh not at not at seven million. Uh you know, typically typically when you do a new development, you're probably in for twelve, fifteen million. Uh, you know, a new apartment building. I'm saying you're about 120 doors, you know, and you got a tax abatement. You should net about five hundred thousand. You know, when you're in that 17 to 20 million, I was in it for 7 million. I was at 600,000. Now, here's the big thing, though. You right. got this thing called depreciation. Ooh, wee, that make me sing, bro. Okay. I got a Teach case. Me about depreciation. Oh, man. So if, for those accountants, man, I used to like, man, I, y'all account so boring. Y'all get on my nerves. But once I learned about depreciation, cost segregation, that's basically when you're able to write stuff off. You'll be able to straight, straight line. So there's the 27 and a half year and then the 39 year. I get it mixed up with residential commercial. But in summary, when you buy an asset, you're allowed to dep- not only take your expenses, but then you're able to take this depreciation over uh, the life of the property. But when you From got the very a big, beginning, From the very beginning. But it's like so much per year, right? It's gotcha. about your base based on your basis. Your basis meaning what you paid for and what you got into it. Okay. Right. But with my hotel, you got so much depreciation that you can take off right off from the beginning. So I had a seven million dollar deal. Man, I got a negative me personally, K one was my partner. I got a negative $792,000 depreciation. Now, you know, like, what? You got a negative seven? Like, that's bad. No, bro, that was amazing. Because now I'm not paying no taxes. I'm netting 700 to a million a year, right? And so I can now use that to offset my gains. So instead of paying 30, 50,000 to the IRS, nothing this is definitely a step above financial literacy (laughs) (laughs) to me this is um what everybody should be learning but most people never know it's almost like a a secret knowledge 
Yeah, no, nah, man, because we, we just went, we went around that. Like, man, yeah. mom, was a, mom was a teacher, daddy was a minister, you know? I mean, I ain't what we do. Let me, let me ask this. But we do it now. Do you think this information was kept from us or is it just a, a, a matter of who you know and no, who you bump into? It's just who... Man, they teach this in school. This I was an engineer, right? So mm-hmm. I, I ain't learned none of this. And, and probably even if they taught it in school, I wouldn't remember. Hell, I didn't I didn't even know to remember the definition of a circuit when I graduated. And I was an electrical engineer, right? I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you you know, so no, they, they, they teach us in the business, but it goes in executive. But like that CCIM, yeah, you know which it slams all of that from different, but you're getting all the perspective, you're getting legal, you're getting accounting, you're getting uh, uh, how to put a deal together. You know, it's, it's a lot of moving parts that typically are not taught in one setting. Like understanding that operating agreement, your PPM and subscription agreement, like that's your basic documents that you need when you're raising capital. And then you got to register with the SEC, right? Security Exchange Commission. And, uh, but you don't, you know, they don't teach that in school, man. That That's why, you know, you wonder why some people are so successful and they didn't even go to school. Like, cause you know, and then you just can't be afraid. Like that's a very expensive document. Like, I'm telling you, I'm getting I'm getting it on the cheap. Mm. For Twelve, but and cheap is eight to fifteen thousand dollars. And what document are you referring to? That's what you call your property. Your your PP. Uh, uh, godly, your operating agreement, subscription mm-hmm. agreement, and your. Uh, Oh man, I said it earlier. I can't. Even, I'd be forgetting what my my PP okay. per, per uh, whatever. But it, it, all these documents you need to raise capital. Okay, you got to have and it, and you got to file out the SEC. Yeah, you file with the SEC, and then but now now let me restate that. Okay, you don't depending on how you if you keep it under a certain amount and what your state restriction on you you don't necessarily have to register it. But you do have to, you, you're supposed to, now I remember, I'm not a lawyer, but you're supposed to mm-hmm. send a document to notify this SEC that you are doing it. It doesn't have to register, but it's at certain levels. And then you get into the 506D regulations and there's B and C where you get into accredited and non-accredited investor. And accredited investor is someone who makes has a net worth over a million or has an annual income. I think it's now 300,000, but it used to be more like two to 300,000 a year. And a non-accredited investor is someone who makes less than that or has less than a million dollar net value. And it doesn't mean they can't invest. It's just, you have to let them know that they're a potential uh, uh, um, uh, risk. And so these documents, quite frankly, they could be scary, right? Because, hell, the the PPM, PPP, uh, I'm, I'm getting all mixed up. My PPP, that's why I've been thinking about that money, bro. They just changed the restrictions on that. That was great. Uh, but my PPM, uh, 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 
it goes on to tell you why this is a risky investment. You could lose money. And if you're from this state, you shouldn't do this. And you shouldn't, you know, after you read it, like, well, shit, I shouldn't, I don't want to invest no more. <laughs> they try to scare you away from. Yeah. But they got to let you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's risk. And as a, as a sponsor, as a general partner, as the managing member, you know, we have to have these docs and we're not liable to pay these people back. You know, you know, if the the deal falls, we don't have to, but you know, we don't roll like that, man. Mm-hmm. If we take your money, it's like our money, you know, right. we don't do the deal. And, you know, I'm fortunate and we never lost any of our investors money. And even when we did get in a situation, we fought and we figured it out and we got, we paid our investors off when, whether it was in the, the existing time frame we planned or it took later but they got all their money back. And that's why our investors still invest with us to this day. I love that. Um, I quickly, uh, before we head out, I, I just want to go briefly over. So I'm going to fully read uh, from broke to millions. I want to awesome, definitely man, understand okay. um, uh, the foundation of everything. That's and right. you're saying that there is an opportunity for a course and more. If you could yeah. just tell us briefly, after we read the book, what are some uh, course of actions that we should take? Well, you know, the, 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 once in a while, the book is an intro. And then you're like, right. you know what? I think this is for me. I want to make a difference or I want to be, I want to make one deal. And you're like, well, the thing about the course, you have the opportunity to invest even if you don't have any money. You can do what they call bird dog. Right. I train you how to analyze a deal. You know, it's all automated. There are modules online that you study whenever you're ready. And uh, we teach you about cap rates. We teach you about cash on cash. Uh, we have a cash flow analyzer. So all you got to do instead of doing a performing yourself, you just plug and play. I mean, it's all easy to do. Uh, we talk about rent. And so what happened is you're dangerous. And then we offer coaching with that. And so you can ask questions to them via Facebook. And then, mm-hmm. you know, after you take the course, you're like, you know what, I'm ready. And like people, you know, students, the no experience we submitted, we, whether we do the deal or not, it was worth submitting an LOI letter of intent. You know, that's the first phase before you get into your purchase sell agreement. And we submitted on deals. I mean, these guys never, one guy works at the post office and, <laughs> He found the deal and we submitted for 600 something units. So, I mean, it's possible, you know, whether the deal happens or not, that's another story, but you know, that's how it goes. I, I look at hundreds of deals. I submit hundreds of LOIs and then out of that, I'll close one or two, you know? So that's why I talk about commitment, discipline. I know you mentioned earlier about on the hotel side that, that you know, going out, even if you don't actually purchase a hotel, it could cost you money. On the apartment side, when you're uh, sending out those LOIs, is there any cost to you to do that? No, that, that, that just costs my time. But okay. uh, apartments are a little more easier. Okay. It's just once and, – and, and hotels is the same way. It's just once you commit. Okay. That's when the money starts flowing. So a quick one. So apartments, uh, typically you're going to put – there's real no money except you, you got to earnest money you got to put. And that's typically 1% of the purchase price. Some can ask for more. Some may go up to two and a half, but we typically only do 1% or less. 
And so uh, if you got a, a $50 million, you know, let's say a $20 million deal, uh, what is that? Uh, 20 million. Uh, so yeah, 200,000, right? Right. So you, we got to put 200,000. So typically what happens, you only put uh, half of that down. Okay. Uh-huh. And, and, and normally I wouldn't even put that much on an apartment. I may say a half a percent or something, or just throw a number out, say a hundred. And, uh, and that lets them know that you're serious, yeah, uh, a serious yeah. investor. Yeah. So you'll put, you do what they call a letter of intent and that letter of intent, all that does is basically explain, uh, what you intend, how you intend on putting structure in this deal with them gotcha. and what you're at, what do you need to, to, finish finalize this deal so we say it'll say the purchase price it'll say i plan on doing due diligence for 30 or 45 days meaning analyze it walking it getting engineer reports all this and studying the financials right and then there's like then after 30 45 days i'm gonna close this 30 to 45 days later and then in between there that works kind of simultaneously, some people throw a financial contingency, meaning, hey, I plan on doing this deal, but if my financing back out, I'm backing out of the deal and I get all my earnest money back unless it's just something I did, right? And so then also you'll put in there like, uh, I expect to see all these documents, like all the rent roll, the leases, the, the maintenance, any capital expenses you've done to the building. And you include all that, and then you know you, and then you put your 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 projected purchase price on there. And if they accept it, there's still no commitment yet. But then you move to the what they some call the PSA purchase sell agreement or a contract, and and uh, and that's kind of steps. Now that's when you start getting into money because now your lawyers are reviewing the contract, you're reviewing the contract. And then after you do diligence or even simultaneously, it's like, I'm all in, I'm committed. So then initially for the earnest money, you put half down. Now you put the other half down. And some people say after your due diligence, all your money goes hard or half of it goes hard. Hard meaning it's non-refundable at that. So you commit it. And so then you start paying legal and that can run you, you know, five to thirty thousand dollars because they're analyzing that they're analyzing your loan agreement and then you're going to have to put this operating agreement and if you're raising capital or syndicating you got to put an operating agreement your ppm subscription agreement now but if you already had some templates already put together that cost will come down but every deal is different okay you know yeah but that that's basically it there buddy Mike, you you you're dropping a lot of wisdom on us. Okay, uh, I know many of our listeners are um, hungry to mm-hmm. work with the right people and to get into apartment investing, hotel investing, and really anything that is going to be something they can do long term. Um, if you can just point everybody in a direction, how can people work with you? How can they find your book? How can they be a part of your world? Man, that's easy, man. Go to from broke to millions dot com. Uh, you get my book. Uh, you'll see my name, and then you'll see my website. Uh, and that my website is uh, NassauInvest with an S dot com. 
Nassau, N-A-S-S-A-U-I-N-V-E-S-T-S.com. And so from those two places, you can find me, man, or you can go all to my social media sites. There's a, um, I think I'm on Instagram, I'm Nassau Mike Ely. Uh, that's easy when you can find me on LinkedIn, but I'm always putting out some content. Um, and, but, but from broke to millions, man, that'll be your start. If you want to start working with me or you want to be an investor, you know, uh, we had, you know, cause you know, you don't necessarily have to do all the work. You can be a passive investor and get great double digits returns. You don't have to invest in the stock market. Actually, I don't have anything in the stock market. Never did. Well, that's a lie. I did invest one time when Ford, was it Ford or GM was going under and then I bought it when it was like, and you knew they would come back. Yeah. And they never came back. (laughs) (laughs) You knew (laughs) they didn't come back. Ford and uh... came back where they filed bankruptcy and wiped it out. They had to pay nothing. So they came back. They didn't come back with my money. I understand. Um, You know, Mike, I I have a feeling that we're probably going to have to talk a few more times. Hey man, anytime brother. I I love to, man. I, I love the community that you're building of investors who are trying to figure out this world mm-hmm. and i and I, I i thank you for learning this information and then actually passing it on because a lot of people will learn it and then hoard it to themselves but you're mm-hmm. saying hey i have this knowledge if you want to learn it you know come join us and be a part of our community uh yeah. so i thank you for that yeah no thank you man uh, it's, it's, it's great man because if one thing I learned, man, if other people are moving forward, our, our community is changing. And, and then not only that, the more I give, the more I get back. Yeah. You know, I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly, man. You know, I, I never forget. I, I never forget I, this last story, and I'll be quiet. But uh, uh, I never forget that it was called the first fruits. I'm going to get a little spiritual and biblical okay. with you. Okay. But uh, I, I was learning about tithing, mm-hmm. and I was like, what do you mean, ten percent, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that conversation too. <laughs> like ten percent, like whoa, man! And then, so I finally, you know, I'm talking to my brother Perry. Perry's like my brother, spiritual counselor, you know, a good friend. And he's like, "Yeah, man, we, now that you know about time, because it'll come back to you tenfold." And, and I was so hungry. I was like, bet, you mean I get even more money if I just follow the rules? I Done. Okay. I'm over it. I'm trusted. And then, uh, then right when I'm comfortable with that, you know, with like everything, then he hits you like, but then you got to do the first fruits. I was like, first fruits? What's that? How did he break that down to you? Because I remember hearing about that and I'm like, wait, first fruits? What, what's going on here? <laughs> Uh, in summary, what I remember, because I studied it, but mm-hmm. in summary, you give it all, your first check. Yep. You give it the whole thing, kick caboodle, all of it. Right. And I was like, the whole thing? <laughs> like, what, not like 15, 20% first fruit? <laughs> then you got to get strategic and make sure that your biggest check is your second check. <laughs> Don't play with me now, Mike. I, I remember, like, oh, the first one. Okay, we can move some things around. <laughs> and so, uh, so uh, I'll never forget, man. I was a realtor. I was broke. I came back, and man, my deals were falling left and right. Mm. You know, I had I, as a realtor, man. That first year, man, I closed on I don't know 
10, eight deals, only made like $15,000. You know, it was a far cry from where I was. And But anyway, uh, I, I, my first deal, I made $1,500. Mm. I, I ain't had no money in three, four months. My mama and daddy, I'm living with my mom and dad. They, they paying my, my phone bill, my life insurance policy, right? Right. I, I ain't got nothing. My girlfriend support me. You know, I'm, I'm 30 years old. You know, this is pretty sexy, right? Back at home. <laughs> right. And so, uh, so I said, all right, I'm going I'm to give him my, this whole check, this $1,500. And just like that, before my eyes, I, I, I didn't realize it, but my money began to grow right in front of me. Maybe not like how I envisioned it at the time, but it right. grew right in front of me. Uh, my daddy at the time was the pastor of the church. And I was like, Daddy, I want to get this to the church. He was like, really? He said, because he knew, like, I know this boy ain't got no money. <laughs> right. And I gave it. And he said, I said, I'll, I'll use this and we can use it to fix the church because the wa- water was seeping through and it needed to be waterproof. I was like, look, I'll, not only will I, I give my money, but I'll, I'll bring my crew and we'll do it for the cost. And we'll waterproof awesome. it, towel it, and paint this little area. He's like, you'll do that? I said, yeah. And he was, you know, he, the church was so grateful. And he was like, well, tell you what, we're going to match you. And we do the other side. And I was like, whoa. He was like, we mm. provide the labor. I said, yeah. He was like, so it kept my my guys working. And 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 it was blessed with work. And, you know, and then you saw my money double right in front of you, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, but it didn't, I didn't get a benefit from it, but it, it doubled right in front of The me. money itself doubled. Yeah. yeah. And so... And, and then, I, you know, I said, I'm leaving with you, God, because you're saying, you know, you'll take care of me. And I don't really remember what happened, but 30 days later, I did a deal, and I got a check for $10,000. Net to me. Mm. Ain't that hey. something? Hey, well, I, I, hey, I just followed the principles, bro. And so I, I just believe, man. I believe in, you know, planting in fertile ground, man. You I, know, even though I you agree. do it, you got to plant it in the right ground. And so uh, I guess I planned the right ground. And, and, and he said, you know, I was just trusting him. In. He proved me. And so I never disagree. And that's why, that's why you see me giving gifts, because I know they'll come back. Yeah. And I know they keep taking care of me, man. And that's, that's why I wanted to do it. You know, all they do is testing you what to do with the money. Because he was like, look, I'll get you the money. Just right. do, do as I, you promised. And because of that, that's why, you know, that's one of the reasons I feel. I mean, yeah, I use some brains. But that's one other reason why I'm so blessed, man. I just follow the principles, man. And it's universal. I don't yeah. care if you're Christian, Muslim, Jewish. It's all the same, brother. No, I agree. I, I actually think the thing that drew me to your community is it is good soil. It is uh, a good place to grow. And well, thank so, you, man. Uh, That's what no, we you're welcome. No, thank you. Thank you for uh, the work you're doing. Uh, once again, um, we got to have you back, continue the yeah. conversation. I definitely want to have you back when we, when we go and acquire this apartment together. Oh, that would be um, awesome, brother. Yeah, I, I, I want to have that conversation for sure. But uh, thank you for coming on Black Equity. Yes, sir. And uh, in the uh, description, Everybody go click on the two links that are in here now. Uh, so then you can get access to the book and then also learn about uh, Mike's community as well. If you're looking to become an investor. Thank you again, Mike, for coming on Black Equity. Hey, thank you, man. And remember, guys, you're one big deal away. Talk to you soon. Thank you. 
All right. We are truly grateful for today's guest. If you are interested in becoming an approved Black Equity Strategic Partner with this company or one in the past, simply send us an interest inquiry to the following email, djm at djmotri.com. Once again, djm at djmotri.com. Let us know your name, your company, your services, and which guests you are interested in partnering with. As an approved partner, you will have exclusive access to our network and have first opportunity at future partnerships as well. Thank you for tuning in and be sure to join us on the next episode of the Black Equity Podcast. Mm-hmm.